0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Married People Podcast. I'm your host, CJ, and on this episode, we're answering the question, how does being an empty nester impact my marriage? So much of our culture is focused on parenting and kids, and believe me, I know, my wife, Terry, and I just had our first baby, and it's made a huge uh, difference, shift, whatever you want to call it, in our lives. But what happens to your marriage when those kids move out and move To discuss this important topic with us, my co-host, Ted Lowe, sat down for an interview with Brian and Amy Bloy. They recently became empty nesters now that their two sons have grown up. Now, not only that, but the Bloys have also been helping married couples for, for years, many years as the founders of West Ridge Church in Dallas, Georgia. They've also helped plant hundreds of other churches across the country through the Launch Network. Now, they've got some incredible insights on how the local church can help marriages and how couples can navigate this unique and tricky season of life uh, becoming empty nesters. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. Now, before we do dive into that conversation, I do want to let you know about a new resource we've created called the Married People Membership. It's an online library for married couples just like you. Think of it like the Netflix for your marriage, and it only costs $8 a month or $80 a year to get access to all of the premium resources there. So you'll definitely want to check that out out. But for now, let's jump into today's conversation.
1: Brian and Amy, thank you so much for giving us some time this morning.
2: Oh, you're welcome. Good We're really, morning. really glad to be with you on this uh, rainy day in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, Amy and I have uh, been married for almost 26 years, right? Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have been in ministry for 30 years. Amy's been uh, in, in ministry with me for for obviously 20, almost 26 of those years. And I was in student ministry for nine years and then, together with our two year old back in 1997, moved from Virginia here to the northwest side of Atlanta in Dallas, Georgia, and started Westridge Church. And so, we've been going uh, since uh, for now over 21 years, and we've had the opportunity to uh, give birth out of this church to, I guess over 150, 160 different churches as well. So wow. we um, we have uh, kids in our own house, and we've got some kids out there to uh, the country and all <laughs> over the world. And so uh, Amy and I have—I'm um, 53, and uh, she's a, a few years younger than me. I'll let her say I'm 50. You, there you go. But uh, we've moved into a—which a, has been really a new season, but a fun season of our lives where we're doing uh, more— Uh, conferences, marriage conferences. Uh, We're doing more traveling together. We have a few nonprofits that we're connected to that we've started uh, in Africa and uh, here in the United States with church planting. So it's just given us some opportunity to um, spread our wings a little bit outside of the church, even though I'm still the senior pastor of Westridge. But uh, we're finding finding, uh, life uh, outside of our kids, uh, leaving our home, graduating from college. We have one still in college. And um, so, yeah, and we've had a chance to write a book, to do different things together the last few years. So we're 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 enjoying the season of life that we're in. And speaking of empty nesters, that's kind of our topic today that we want
1: to dive in a little bit. But one of the things I don't want to miss out on is you guys have quite the voice in the church planning world, and I know there's lots of books and different things on how to. Uh, do church plants, but you guys have taken a, a different turn in this thing. We want to help you to do that, but we also uh, want to help you not lose your marriage and family in the process. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, I think one of the things that we are um, we are the most passionate about is healthy marriage and healthy families for people who are in ministry or not in ministry, but. um it's really to focus with couples who have started churches and are pastoring them, working together, and, and that's something that we, we get to do, and we're pretty excited about that.
1: What are some of the common struggles that you guys see with marriages that are in the midst of a, a church plant? Because I think maybe some of the learnings there could apply to people that are, are trying to work together or start a business together.
2: Well, I mean, it's, it is just you're all in. I mean, when you move to a new city or you start a church or, you know, even if you start a business together. My, my parents, when I was younger, had a business together. And I mean, it's, it's, it's your family. You're all in. We, wrote, we actually wrote a book called It's It's personal. Uh, because it, 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 uh, it's a personal thing for you, for your spouse, for your kids. I mean, it's like you are taking a step of faith together, trusting in God to be in this with you in every way. And, uh, you really don't know if it's gonna, if it's going to succeed or fail. And so it impacts every part of your life. It impacts your marriage because you're so busy focused on getting this thing off the ground and and then birth, you know, not just birthing it, but then growing it. I mean, churches are just like kids. They have different stages of life. And so you find yourself having to adjust to not only the different stages of, of the birth of that organization, but the different stages of, you know, your family and how you're working together. And so we, it puts, it puts a lot of strain on marriage, on, on the family, on kids. And so we see some unhealthy things creep into those those seasons, and uh, so part of our passion is to help couples to to navigate well through those times.
1: Well, I've always thought about with church planning a lot in the same way. With when we started married people, is when you start something from the ground up, you know that you've got all these different things that have to be done. It's like building a house from the ground up. Like if you go out there every day and go, "Wow, I'm not going to stop until we have a ton of progress." How do you guys? How do you set the limits to know? Hey, we're starting this thing from the ground up, but how do we say for today this is enough hours poured towards uh, this church? Because there's just so much that can be done.
3: That's a great question. I think we are um, we're just really encouraging couples, whether they are like in business or church planting, to build healthiness in at the very beginning. And one thing that a lot of people don't do is they don't take time off because they think, you know, well, we're going to really focus on us or our family or we're going to rest when this happens. You know, if we can get to this next stage or if we can get to this next level, or if we can just get a building or uh, make the right staff hires, then that's when we'll be able to step back and rest a little bit. But, you know, that rarely ever, ever happens. And so if we can encourage people to build healthiness and rest in at the beginning, then it really just becomes a value. You. And then as things get even busier, we can kind of fall back on something that we've already implemented from the beginning.
2: Yeah, and, I, and I think also you have to, like Amy said, you have to build in that those those the rest and healthy rhythms. But you have to put boundaries around uh, your home, around your home life, around your personal life. And like Amy said, you know, one of the challenges that most people have when it comes to starting anything is they always think, if I just get here, then things will be different. Usually driven people are the ones who start churches, start right. organizations. And, right.
3: and they, so don't rest. they don't,
2: they're always driven to the next thing. You know, they conquer one thing and they're driven to the next thing. So.
3: And they produce little children who are just as driven. Exactly.
2: <laughs>
1: Is that true in your guys' case? Are you both super driven?
2: Yeah, I would say we're, we're wired pretty similarly. And uh, we have two very, very driven children in our house. And, uh, and so, you know, to be really honest with you, we did not do very well at this early on.
3: We have some stories.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of
2: stories, which
1: Well, just- let's hear one. Tell us some stories. Yes.
2: Oh <laughs> well, my goodness. Well, I will I'll just tell you, I'll tell you how I'll, I'll tell you how things changed for us because when we moved here in 97, you know, I came from a student ministry world before that that was just very active, very busy uh, activities almost every weekend, you know, a lot of church events through the week. Uh, Amy was a a full-time school teacher and, and, you know, we had our first son in 95 and we just kept this crazy pace going and it just continued into our church plan in 97. And we ran at such a heavy pace for the first few years. And it was really impacting, uh, the behavior of our of our, our oldest son, who was two when we moved here. And our, our second guy, Zachary, came along in 98, and he just kind of copied his oldest brother. And I, I actually had a meeting in Alpharetta, Georgia, with Andy Stanley. I, I really had never met him before. And a mutual friend got us a meeting together, and I sat down with him at a P.F. Chang's in Alpharetta. And I asked him basically one question, because I was really burning out. And this was probably in about 99, 2000 or so. And I just said, how do I, how do I keep this church growing and, and, you know, keep this thing moving forward without losing my my marriage and my kids? And because, you know, and and see, I had come from this background, which a lot of people do, that if you will just pour yourself into ministry, that God will take care of your marriage, He'll take care of your, your kids, your family. And yet I wasn't seeing that happen. But everybody kept telling me that's what would happen.
1: Mm, that God was going to fill in the gaps. Is that what they were saying? That
2: was it. God was going to fill in the gaps because you're doing his work. And I remember Andy, I asked him that question, how, how do I keep these both going without losing you know, one or the other? And he just looked at me and he said, you have to choose to cheat. And I didn't know what the heck mm. that meant. And he just, I, I'm like, what does that mean? He said, well, you, you have to cheat the church for your family, on behalf of your family. And and I I had never heard anybody tell me that before? And somebody I admired actually gave me permission, which I think a lot of people, they, they know something's broken, but someone needs to give them permission yes. to do something differently. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, God, God never promises to make up for misguided priorities. Mm. And he, he then began to help me unpack what it would look like for me to reorder my world to reorder how our staff worked, to just really get into some healthy rhythms, which all of a sudden became, you know, like where I might have a 75 to 80 plus hour a week work week, which was nothing for me back then, to back down to maybe 45 or 50, you know, something really manageable. And then to actually take a day off, which I never did that. And That's so- changed yeah, that really
3: has changed our life to take a day off. It's just been one of the best things we've ever done.
2: Yeah, and and then just you know and and so I'll never forget. He told me that we went back to the North Point offices. He gave me, I, th- I think back at the time might have been a, a cassette tape. Um, <laughs> I I put it in my my uh, tape player on the way back to Dallas, Georgia, and I literally had tears rolling down my face almost the whole ride home because I I realized I was going to have to make some big adjustments, but more than anything that. I had just into a, an idea that was just not not right. And I'll tell you where this really even hit home for me even more so was I, I took this to a retreat that I had with a bunch of guys who uh, were we – we called it a management team back then, but it's now our elders. These are all guys in the business world. And I said, I just want to play something for you. I want you to hear this. And I'm looking around the room, and all these guys have tears rolling down their face. And I'm realizing, okay, this is not just the church world. This is the business world as well.
1: Hmm so
2: true that have this upside down and there's, there's such a lack of boundaries and a lack of healthiness and a lack of good, you know, healthy rhythms in people's homes and family life. And so, you know, that we really, I think from that point on, we really became passionate about not only, you know, bringing healthiness into our own home and our marriage, but then, you know, eventually helping others to do it.
3: And I think that we were talking about the empty nest. This is so key. When, When people have been cheating because they've been just paying more attention to their church or to their business and they haven't invested in their own marriage, then it's a shocker when all the kids leave and you, you would tend to think, you know, well, who are you? Like you don't even know each other anymore, but if you have invested in choosing to cheat, because I remember Andy said you will cheat. You don't mean to, but you will. So you have to choose who you're going to cheat. And if you can cheat the church and focus on your marriage and your family, then when you do become empty nesters, then you've got like um, a healthy
2: cheat in the right places. Right,
3: cheat in the right places, and then you're healthy.
1: Yeah, and just so to be clear with some of our listeners who don't know the choose to cheat, you know, language, uh, it is you you know, we're going to cheat something. Just make sure you're not cheating at home, right? They were not going to cheat that at home. I know, I remember Andy saying many times that when they were started the church, their kids were really small. And he said, uh, he looked at Sandra and said, Sandra, I I told God, I'm going to give this church 45 hours a week, whatever God can do with that, then that's what we're going to do. And so when we started married people in 2010, our kids were little too. and, And we'd said the same thing because it was just starting from the ground up. And it's so difficult, especially when you're trying. You're not only thinking about, hey, we're starting a church and we're doing something for God, but also the really practical things of, I've got to bring money into this house. I have to figure out how to provide for my family. Which, talk a little bit about the difficulty of of that, feeling like I've got to provide yet I know I don't want to lose my family in the midst because Amy, I'd like to know a little bit, like what were you feeling during this season before the days of health, before the conversation with Andy, what, what's going on uh, with you during this time?
3: Well, I was so committed to work with Brian and do anything that I needed to do, you know, to make this happen. We were just so excited about what we were doing, but um I, I got to a point where I think I was just kind of holding on, like our family was just hanging in there. Mm. And um, I felt like sometimes I needed to take one for the team. We hear that a lot.
1: Take one for the team. Talk about that.
3: We were um, so excited about what we feel like God called us to do here with starting a church. And we thought we're going to do whatever it takes. But we were unhealthy in our thinking because we didn't realize that we needed to value just nothing time, like margin, um, the time where there's an empty space and it's not filled, like our calendar is not filled every hour. And so now we've begun to to value that and to see the importance of it and how really you can do so much more um, if you have margin in your life, you know, margin time that's not filled in so that you can be spontaneous, so that you can hang out with your kids and that they know that they're more important to us than our church work, you know, or like business work.
1: Brian, you guys mentioned that you could tell this pace was impacting your kids, even when they're really small. In what way did you see that?
2: Well, I mean, obviously uh, their behavior. I mean, our oldest one who, I mean, they're both very driven, high spirited kids and we love that about them. But, you know, I was not around as much as I needed to be, to be, you know, the consistent you know, person in their life that brought stability. And, you know, one thing that I've learned over the years is, is time is so important. Uh, Time and just conversations and talking is just so important. Uh, My kids, even today, when I just spend time with them, you know, they just be open up to me, even at the ages they're at now, which is 20, 23 and 20, which is amazing. that You know, this has gone by so quickly, but, you know, I'll tell you the, the things that I were, you know, I, I would back, uh, back then cell phones, you know, were every, obviously they were, I don't, I don't want to say they were new <laughs> cause they weren't really new, but you know, you, you, we were so dependent on those things and we are now, but every time that phone would ring, I would pick it up no matter what I was doing, mm-hmm. uh, on the floor playing with Taylor, you know, playing a game, playing with whatever he was into at the moment, that phone, when that phone rang, I would grab it and I would leave, I would walk out of the room. And I remember, I remember one time uh, we were, I was on the floor playing with Taylor. He was probably three years old at the time. And I think at three different occasions, that phone rang and I picked it up, not even really even knowing who it was, walked in the other room. And then the third time I came back and he was gone. And I'm like, Hey, Amy, where's Taylor? And I remember she said to me, she said, Brian, you are sending a message to him. Every time you pick up that phone, you don't even know who it is, Hmm. but you're saying whoever that is, is more important to him at that moment. And that's what he's getting from you. Mm. And I'll I'll never forget that because you know, that was you know the beginning of us going we've got to get healthy we've got to I've got to make some changes here because I'm 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 losing this little guy here uh, you know who I'm I'm not consistently engaged with him
1: yeah, and just you know when I think we're the, you know we're of course of the first generation you know of parents dealing with what it's like to force cell phones to to be a part of this and that's being so accessible. I mean, one of the best pieces of advice we got from a mentor couples of us with us is never be on the phone uh, in the car when you're with your kids um, or with each other and don't walk in the house with the phone. And we've shared that over the years and you watch those kind of things. People are like, again, it's permission, right? It's permission to do that. Amy, you mentioned earlier, and I didn't want us to miss this. You mentioned, um, you guys now do a day off. Tell me a little bit about what that looks like and why that has been so important to you guys.
3: Yeah. So Brian takes Fridays off, and after he met with Andy, he started really taking a day off. So um, I think he would say he had a day off, but it really was a work day. And so now. He actually has closed the building on Fridays, and everybody has Fridays off. And so unless something crazy has happened, you know, unless we have, like, a death or it's Christmas or something, um, we take Fridays off, and we just usually – You know, we go out to a movie, we'll go out to lunch and just kind of hang out together. And it's, it's just a time where we we just get refueled and we kind of live for Fridays. Like we go really hard, you know, (laughs) through Thursday and then, and then on Friday, we know that rest is coming. It's just something like a finish line for us. And it's what we can look forward to together. We have couples that, that they always need to have something to look forward to Mm -hmm. together something that they have planned, like maybe a a trip or um, even a day off is something that we can look forward to.
2: I heard this phrase yesterday from a guy named Chip Judd, who actually uh, about 10 years ago, Amy and I pulled him into our world just to, you know, we were looking at our marriage going, we think we have a really good marriage. We want to go to great. And so he looked at me yesterday and he said, let me tell you the fountain, the fountain of youth. He said, always have a mountain in front of you that scares you just a little bit. And so one of the things that Amy and I try to do together, we always try to have something in front of us that we go, we've got to do this together. Like we're always looking towards something that together we can't do it apart from each other. But together we go, we're going to do that. Whether we, you know, whether it's traveling together or, you know, speaking together somewhere that we want, whatever that looks like.
3: Yeah. A challenge. A something challenge. that's a challenge for us kind of keeps you young, but then something that's fun that keeps you rested.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Give us some examples of that.
2: Um, Well, we are uh, just, we're kind of leaning a little bit more into uh, the church planting world that we are connected to, trying to, um, Amy's actually speaking more into spouses, more into raising healthy kids. And so just kind of getting this off the ground in a different way is a huge challenge that we're tackling together. We actually just started taking our global missionaries, bringing them together in a central place, coming from in all, all over the world. And then she and I going on this and then speaking to them, um, trying to pour into their marriages, into their the raising of their children, because they face the same issues, you know, even being in Africa. So and then, you know, together we're just going, hey, where's the next place we want to travel to? You know, that is affordable for us. And uh, so we always have something out there in front of us. We went to Scotland this past summer and uh, we're like, hey, wouldn't it be fun to go to England and just kind of search around London? What would that, you know, just stuff like that.
1: Yes, you're so right. Look, Things to look forward to. And I think that always makes the tougher seasons or even tough weeks, you say, hey, if we can make it till Friday, because you know everybody's got busy seasons. Everybody's got a lot going on. But I love what I'm hearing from you guys on so many levels. I love it, uh, what you're modeling, because a lot of times when it's, we work with churches, a lot of times churches will not focus in on marriage because quite frankly, the, the pastor is feeling insecure about his own marriage or her own marriage, and they're thinking, I can't talk about or teach about what I don't know. But I love that you guys are not only poured into your church, but also it sounds like your staffs, because you, say, you said, hey, I'm taking a day off, or we're taking a day off, but so is the rest of the staff. I think, Amy, did you use the words, he locks the building? I kind of love that.
3: Yeah, they actually closed down the building and realized that if everybody will take one day off, they actually saved a lot of money with electricity, (laughs) pooling, and they just closed the whole building. So everyone knows our church building is closed on Fridays.
1: I love that. And well, you're modeling for your church too, right? Like you're saying to them, hey, this is important. Um... I love it when people just talk about, hey, we talked to a counselor as casual as, hey, we went on a vacation because so many couples, uh, a lot of people listening to this, when they hear counseling, they just feel like, hey, it's for people, the only people that are completely broken or only people do that, that are strange or weird, or, but just you guys said it in such a casual sense. Why do you think you have that stance on counseling where you don't have any hesitation or pause to talk about bringing someone else into the picture?
3: Well, Brian brought a counselor to our staff when we had gone through some difficult times like as a church, and he just wanted to bring an outside person in, like to give a little bit of wisdom and to be able to talk to our staff. But this guy had some open slots, and he said, you know, if you want to bring your husband or your wife, he has some counseling session spots that were available. And so Brian said to me, hey, um, Chip has a time, you know, just one hour If you think maybe you and I want to meet with him, it's at eight o'clock in the morning. And I thought, well, I don't want to go anywhere at eight o'clock in the morning. (laughs) I don't want to go to a counselor. And I, but I was willing to go. And, and I actually said to him, I said, well, I can't wait to see what he unpacks actually, because I don't feel like we have any problems. And by the time we got in there, it was not 15 or 20 minutes. Both of us were in tears. Like he had, he had unpacked stuff that we didn't even realize we had, you know, just everybody has issues. And if we can make our marriage healthier and even greater, well, then that's something that we don't want to miss out on.
1: Wow. And just not waiting until things are absolutely devastated. I mean, I feel like that's, if I'm being honest, one of the most frustrating thing as I work with couples is I feel like they reach out when they should have reached out five years ago, seven years ago. And they're like, fix this mess. You're like, wow, this, you know, just not waiting is is so, so key. And like you said, I don't even think we had that many things. And then we're crying in 15 minutes, which for some people listening might be scary. But at the same time, it is, hasn't God blessed certain people to be able to pull these things out of us uh, in a safe way, right?
3: Yes, he gave us some tools that now we are aware of some things. And we can use those tools just to help things be you know, healthier, even just in the way that we have our, our conversations together.
2: Yeah, you know, one one thing, Ted, is people. You know, even with couples in in ministry or whether you're in ministry or not, I mean, we're just we all have junk we bring into our marriage because we all come from, we're all dysfunctional in some way. We cut, we bring our baggage in, and you know, we we can get to a, a certain level of going, this is really good, and then sometimes we're like, I feel like this could get better, but. And but we're afraid of the pain, we're afraid of of the question that might be asked or whatever, where all of a sudden it's gonna blow up. But you know what? That you have to go through pain sometimes to get healthier. Mm-hmm. You have to go through, you have to be willing to, to go into the mud and unpeel some layer. It's worth it because mm-hmm. if you if you make a commitment, we're not giving up on this. We're gonna fight for healthiness, we're staying in it because it's worth it to us. Mm-hmm. You can get anywhere. I mean, it doesn't even even outside of a marriage, you, you can work through issues if two people are willing to stay in it to get through the pain and uh, and to get to that healthy place. And it, and it is so worth it. And, you know, even what Amy mentioned a moment ago, what he uncovered in us, it was like, OK, <laughs> we're going to have to work through this. And we did. And I'm so glad we did because we're so much healthier as a result of it.
1: And I think that's the. Th- I think you're right. People feel like if I rip the bandaid off, I might bleed to death. And I think I do think it is painful. At the same time, like I feel like sitting there, we know that the person sitting across from us is trying to lead us to hope. And even though it's going to be painful at the end of this thing, is a lot of hope and a lot of application and tools. I, you know, Nancy and I go back and forth seeing counselors by ourselves. We've done it a couple times together, and I just always. Learn some new tools in the last uh, counselor. I'm actually in counselor right now. And I said, I don't want to talk a ton as much as I want tools. Like help me, <laughs> help me with some tools. And it's just been so incredible. But you're right, but you kind of have to step in that pain a little bit to get there. But like you said, it's so, so worth it.
2: Yeah, so good.
1: We talked about the whole topic of this thing as being uh, empty nesters, and I'm thinking we might just need to change the title to this because this is doing so much, but I do want to dive in uh, to that a little bit. Talk about what it was like when your first son left, and now you're you're down to one son. Kind of take us through that journey of becoming empty nesters, and then you're n- not empty again because they come back. Tell us a little bit about what that process has
2: looked like. Well, I remember when we took our oldest son to college uh, and people were telling me it was going to be tough. And it was it was just as tough, if not more so than than, than what everybody told me. I, remember we, I have pictures of, of me holding him crying. We're both crying, Amy, you know, and then she's crying. It, You know, it's just a season when you're really close to your kids and, you, you know, you do a lot of really fun life together, uh, sending them to college. But it's but it's so good. I mean, they have to have that, you know. And uh, and then our second son, so, you know, who, who's a junior now. Our oldest son actually uh, has come. Amy said earlier, they come back. And so <laughs> our, our oldest son is actually now living with us again. He actually plays uh, pro baseball. And so he's in the offseason. So he's with us right now uh, doing, you know, working a couple uh, jobs, you know, to, to make some money for that. But, uh,
3: and we're loving it. Yeah, we're, we're loving, loving it. We're loving having him at
2: home. We're loving it. But, but you know, with every, whether your kids are toddlers, and then they go off to, you know, grade school, and then middle school, high school, and now where we are, um, you know, you got the the college years, and then even beyond that, where you're all of a sudden trying to figure out how to parent young adults. Mm -hmm. There are big adjustments at every level. Mm. And it's almost, you have to learn how to reparent. And so, you know, Amy and I, we're, we're right now trying to figure out, okay, how do we give them boundary? I mean, how do we put boundaries around ourselves from, you know, engaging too much into where they are and, you know, where are we, uh, where are they asking us for advice and where do we need to stop giving it? And, uh, but I, I actually, I was interviewing a couple of years ago with what we brought a bunch of our church planners together. And I asked Andy Stanley, we were interviewing him in front of everybody. I said, tell me how, you know, you've been a good parent. Like when this is all over with and you're, you know, you, you, your kids graduate from college or whatever. How do you know you've done well? And he said, oh, well, if they want to come back home and hang out with you, he said, I think you, you know you've done well. And so fortunately, our kids want to come back and hang out with us. So we look at that and go, I think we've done something right. But, you know,
1: yeah, that's good stuff. Becoming empty nesters is such a difficult thing for so many couples. Like right now, the, the only demographic where divorce rate is actually climbing is with Empty nesters. Why do you think it's such a challenging time uh, for married couples?
3: Um, we're finding that so many of our friends have poured themselves completely into their kids. You know, like um we we sat on the bleachers. I sat on the bleachers for so many years with baseball moms. And then when the very last season was over, when we played the last game, all the kids left and went to college. We're finding that some of those parents didn't really know each other. You know, they've just given everything that they had to their kids. and they lost themselves. Um, yeah. So I think, well, when our boys were little, we would go on a trip or we would just go somewhere overnight or we would have a date night and we would leave the kids, you know, with a babysitter and I remember them being so upset. You know, why aren't you taking us on this trip? Or why aren't you doing this? But as they got older, they realized that we were modeling for them what it's like for for our whole family not to revolve around the kids and their schedule, that the kids and their schedule are a really important part of the family, but they're not the center of the family. And then um, when they can see that that we're spending time together, like we're investing in something. So the day comes when everyone leaves, like we still like each other and we're <laughs> still having fun together. And that's what that's what I think makes a big difference. So I would just encourage people to um, focus marriage and having fun together, so that when the kids are gone, you're still having fun together.
1: Amy and Brian, I'm jumping up and down on that. I'm jumping up and down just to say, hey, it's not only good for your marriage. uh, It's good for your kids to see that, you know, our kids are going to have a lot of us. Our kids are going to have a marriage that looks a lot like ours. And the question for all of us, is that a good thing? It sounds like you guys modeled that so, so well. and. You know, your heart has been to uh, protect your family and to uh, enjoy your family and make it work even in the midst of a crazy season. But I love your heart, even right now, being on this podcast with us, but just your heart to reach out to to other couples. I want to let people know, our church leaders know, especially about a book that you guys have written together. It's called, It's Personal Surviving and Thriving on the Journey of Church Planting. Before we go, tell our listeners a little bit about that.
2: Well, back uh, let's see, back probably about 2010, a guy named Todd Wilson, who is the president founder of Exponential, approached Amy and me and just said, "Hey, would you guys be willing to write a book about you know about healthiness in the whole journey of church planting?" And we're like, nah, I don't know about that." And um, and after some prayer, we we, we did it. And uh, it, it's we always tell people it's it's probably one of the top three hardest things we've ever done before, uh, outside of raising kids and and planting a church, but. We just recognize that there are so many things little themes and patterns and questions that we keep getting asked by you know church planting couples and then even people in our church that they're just all similar questions and you know through painful things that we've been through struggles that we've been through things we've learned people that we've met with we just said okay you know we decided let's just put it all out, put it all out there and see where it goes and so you know in the book we actually have um, several, couples who put their own thoughts into the book as well at certain points but we just kind of said here's everything that we know and and uh, but we wanted to just put a tool into church planters hands to say here's here's the boundaries here's you know here's how to you know what we know about raising healthy kids in the midst of all of that and it was challenging and uh, but one of the things that's been encouraging to us is that we have a lot of people, couples who are not in ministry, who are not church planters, who are coming up to us and say, "Hey, somebody gave us your book, and it, this really wasn't all about ministry." And we're like, "Right, they're transferable principles." And so, it's about life. It's about life. It's about you know, we just want to see we want to see couples finish well, and that really is a passion for us personally. But marriage is hard. Raising kids, especially today, is really challenging, and we just want to see marriages finish well kids come through, whether it's, you know, growing up in the church or whatever it looks like, and just go, you know what, that was challenging, but we're good. You know, we can leave this house and, and be healthy. healthy. So.
1: That's the goal. That is the goal. This is such great stuff, you guys. Hey, one thing we do each episode is we want to leave listeners with one simple thing that they, they can go and do. Uh, just one thing that you guys think, wow, that would really make a difference in any marriage. What would that thing be?
0: Mm.
3: I would probably say have fun together and take time off to rest together and just make sure that you're keeping your marriage fun. Mm.
1: Have fun together. Yeah, we around here, we call it have serious fun. So that's, uh, yes, I love that. Perfect
2: we could do a whole thing on that because that's such a, you know, we, we lose, we, we lose ourselves. We lose the fun. We lose, you know, what brought us together in the first place and just always keep that in front of you. you know, I, when we were getting married, Ted, I, it, we wrote our, our vows to each other and read them. And I told Amy in our vows when we got married 26 years ago, almost that I would always be in charge of, uh, I would always be in charge of fun. (laughs) And um, so she has kept me to that.
3: Yeah, we laughed back then, but now we keep saying, are we still having fun? Are we still having fun together? And that's that's one of our goals is just to keep having fun. Just keep
2: having fun.
1: Oh, it's so true. It's so true. And it, we can get so serious, can't we? with all our with all our stuff going on we do such serious work right we're doing god's work we get so serious sometimes so i love that reminder for everybody you guys thank you thank you thank you for spending time with us i've gotten so much out of this i can't wait to share some of this with nancy and i know that our listeners are going to love it uh as well so thanks again
3: thank you for having us yeah
2: we've enjoyed it thanks so much
0: thanks for listening to this week's episode of the married people podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Your review will help us reach more people with future episodes. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out the brand new married people membership at marriedpeople.org. Until next time, I'm CJ. Thanks for listening.